Welcome to Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thanks for tuning in here for, with us again, guys. Episode 64 of Campus Life. Mm-hmm. Just moving right along. Yeah, that number climbs a little higher every week. Uh, so thank you guys for joining in here with us. Um, you can find us. I guess we should start doing something very So Colin, I was thinking about this this week. If you want to follow the show on any major social media, we are at Campus to Canton on Twitter, Campus, the number two, Canton. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, not this particular show, but a lot of the other stuff we do, that is Campus to Canton. Same exact candle on YouTube. I think we have an Instagram page. I don't know how to work Instagram. That's beyond me. Same. Um, so we do um, have an Insta. Alfred runs a lot of that, I believe. There we go. Um, I don't know anything about that, but I would presume it is the same exact tag. Um, on this week on on the C2C Podcast Network, uh, we have added a new show, guys. Just a little housekeeping. If you had not seen the announcement today uh, or went onto the feed this morning and was wondering what this new show was on your feed, uh, as we talked about last week, we are adding a whole set of CFF content to the website and to everything else that we're doing uh, this offseason. And so we have a CFF podcast joining us as well, and that's going to release every Monday on our channel that is Chasing the Natty, hosted by Jared Palmgren, who is leading our wonderful CFF crew. He has a rotating set of co-hosts with him right now until he settles on a more permanent solution there. Um, So go ahead if you want to check him out on that feed. Again, he is there. Um, It is also Chasing the Natty is also on its own separate podcast feed. So if you already listened to it on there, then it's it's the same show, not anything different. Um, And it does have its own YouTube channel as well. He does every show as a video. Um, so lots of good content there. Um, Colin, what'd you do this weekend? Um, I mean, it's pretty, pretty low key weekend. Um, you know, there was, there was a a nor'easter heading through here. I live in PA, so weather wasn't great. Um, but you know, traveled to, traveled to Philadelphia, um, proposed to my girlfriend. So pretty low key weekend. Yeah. Wait, 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 what, 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 what was that last thing? Traveled to Philadelphia? Yeah, mm-hmm. traveled to Philly. Okay, and what was after that? Um, proposed to my girlfriend. Wow, wow, wow. Congrats, buddy. Very Thank exciting you. stuff. Thank you. Very exciting. You guys had known each other for like six weeks, right? Uh, a little, yeah, a little bit more than that, but yeah, okay. roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's when you know, you know. Very exciting. I saw the pictures. Um, she seemed very surprised, very excited, you know, the typical oh, yeah. crying thing. So she was, she was floored. I got her good. <laughs> it's the only instance you can say that you can't say that again in the relationship so uh no. yeah otherwise someone's calling um <laughs> some some sort of authority on you um well no that is awesome congrats to you Thank good you. luck with everything planning a wedding is the most fun part of your life i can assure you i 100 uh, percent believe that i think that there was uh, nothing but sincerity in that would I ever steer you wrong? I mean, apparently the listeners of the show think so because we put out mm-hmm. a poll last week that says, does Austin actually hate Colin? And I think like 70% of the people said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was over two-thirds. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely not – yeah, the, the results were not close. close. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I love that the second one was probably not. <laughs> yes, yes, no. Like I feel There like, wasn't you know, like a no. It was yes, probably not. No one's really sure. 
no one's yeah. really sure. We intend well, to keep apparently it that way. Almost seventy percent of the people are pretty sure that it's yes. Uh, yeah, we have fun here. Um, <laughs> all right, guys, let's get into the actual podcast part of things here. So, before we start, this podcast is a part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Doctor Edwin Porras. Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, The Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and The Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of these wonderful shows in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or check out our weekly Friday drops, the recap of the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin. We had early signing day. It feels like so long ago. It was only five weeks, I believe. Um, five or six weeks ago. Five um, weeks. Yeah. So we have National Signing Day today. For those that are not well-versed in the differences, uh, National Signing Day has always been a thing. Early Signing Day was developed in the last uh, decade, a little over that, I think, uh, somewhere in that range. Uh, so guys could sign early, as the, as the name suggests, um, get on <laughs> get get on, yeah. get on campus early. They could early enroll. Um, obviously, if you're committing in, in mid-February, uh, the semester probably has started. Um, so it just helps a lot of those guys kind of get acclimated uh, to school more. For instance, several of the Bama guys coming in next year were at their practices leading up to the national championship game. Um, so it's a really good way to get some of these guys on campus uh, and with the coaches and in a weight room and and all of that good stuff. But there are still players, not a lot, but there are still some players that wait until national signing day for whatever reason. Maybe there's been a a coaching change. Maybe they were kind of late bloomers and now they're kind of starting to pick up offers. And strategically it's an interesting choice for some of them because you kind of go from a guy that's like RB 35 to the bell of the ball because most of the other places have, have signed and, and, you know, maybe some schools need to fill one more running back slot or one more uh, wide receiver slot. And all of a sudden you become a bit of a get. So for whatever reason, there's, there, there's a lot of different um, uh, factors that go into this, but there are still a few big names that haven't signed. We're going to talk a little bit about them here tonight uh, and kind of guess where we think they're going to go. The first one here, Colin Travante citizen running back uh, from Louisiana he released his top eight, uh, has a bunch of different schools. And really has, narrowed it down. He really, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I guess he had like 20 something offers. So, you know, he cut it, cut it, cut it down to one third. Um, I, I don't have all the offers in front of me, but it included uh, Grambling, uh, Florida, LSU, um, Michigan State. Shout out Grambling for the fact that you just threw them in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Did you say Auburn? It, Auburn was on there. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there, there are a bunch of different schools here. Um, he is a six foot two, 17 pound uh, back. Um, been part time linebacker, part time running back until the past year or so. He's really shot up recruiting rankings. I believe he's RB8 in the composite now. He's a top five back for us here at Campus of Canton. Colin, um, where do you think he ends up? Or where, And I guess it's probably a separate question is where do you want him to end up? Um, well, it's, he was, he's an LSU or he's a Louisiana guy, uh, guy. So, you know, LSU was kind of always in the running. And I think he had even, he had been crystal balled to go there for a while. And then that just kind of changed here a little bit more recently, but, um, I would be fine with LSU as a destination. Um, 
I think he could get some run at, at Michigan State there as well. I don't really think that highly a burger. Uh, they did just bring in Jarek Broussard, but, you know, he's like uh, Jarek Broussard's like 5'9, like 185. So he's a smaller back where Tronte Citizen, like you mentioned, bigger guy, six foot, 217 already. Um, so he could get some run in there. I think that would be a really interesting one for me. Um, I would probably also be interested in Auburn because I think Tank Bigsby probably leaves after this year. And then I think Toronto Citizen can really take a hold of that backfield there, even with Jarquez Hunter there. Um, so I, there's not really like a great landing spot left. There's not one that I'm just like, this would be amazing. There's just a lot of ones that I'm like, yeah, that would be fine. Pretty much how I feel too. Um, Nowhere that he would go day one. And, uh, you know, there, there's those spots are kind of limited every year. I mean, unless you're mm-hmm. projecting somebody to a uh, an Oregon State or uh, a Virginia or no offense to these schools, but, you know, they're not they're not big time schools. Right. Uh, they don't generally have uh, big time running backs there on the roster unless you're there. Like the, the, it's very rare that someone's going to walk into a Clemson. Like what Shipley did last year, Tra- Travion at Ohio State, Bijan at Texas. I mean, that's kind of what makes those guys so special is that they're able to do that. Nicholas Singleton, really the only guy uh, at the top of the pack that we think probably does it this year again. So again, you know, it's not, it's not super common. Um, I actually like, I, I, it's really interesting. I don't really like when guys go to Auburn because I just find Auburn to be a boring school. I don't dislike them. Just (laughs) there's nothing particularly exciting about them ever. Um, But that would not be a bad spot for him. Assuming tank Bigsby comes out this year. Um, because the, all that's really behind him on that depth chart is Jarquez Hunter. I've kind of had this discussion on Twitter. I don't know if I ever had it on the show. I'm not really a Jarquez Hunter fan. Um, I thought he wasn't that impressive watching him last year. And then if you look at all the advanced stats and stuff, when he when they got into the heart of the SEC schedule, Tank Bigsby continued on at his pace out of conference. Um, and actually even improved in some areas. And Jarquez Hunter just went straight down the toilet. He was terrible in SEC play. He was averaging like two yards a carry, like just did not look ready for it at all. Um, he, he's not that level of a kid right now. Um, not to say he can't get better, or, you know, get get more used to things, but, you know, Tank Bigsby went in there as a freshman and looked looked the part the whole year. So um, I'm, I, I, so I think stepping in there, I think he can overtake Jarquez Hunter. I, and that's like an Auburn tradition. Like you think you have the guy in waiting and then another guy comes in and takes his job. That's like their thing. So I think that would be a good spot for him. Georgia feel or not Georgia, Florida feels most likely though. Right. Um, yeah, that's definitely kind of the way things have been leaning right now. Um, and they already, Florida already brought in Montreal Johnson through the transfer portal. They brought in um, Trevor Etienne as well. They brought in last year as a transfer, Demarcus Bowman, former five-star. Naquan Wright still on the roster. They still have Lorenzo Lingard on the roster, who was a five-star forever ago. So, I mean, they have a lot of a lot of bodies there. So, I don't love that destination for Citizen, to be honest. I mean, they at least it seems like. Napier wants to give touches to a lot of backs, you know, similar to how um, Leipold at, at Kansas wants to do that as well. So if it, you know, if it keeps the tread off the tires a little bit, but still gets him a hundred plus touches every season in the SEC, there, 
I, I wouldn't have that big of a problem with Florida, even though obviously it doesn't maximize what could be in terms of his, uh, you know, college production and that kind of stuff moving forward. Yeah, I, I think just I want to see him. And having tread on the tires is nice, but I want to see a running back prospect like really take hold of a backfield because I think that's what also leads to high draft capital. I mean, how often do you see a running back that split work for pretty much their entire career get significant draft capital? I mean, what Josh Jacobs, Javante Williams, Javante Williams, but typically. Typically, I mean, it's Najee Harris did for a lot of his career. Well, okay, um, the Bama. All right, the Bama backs are harder to to say that about. But same with J- the Georgia backs; it's a little J- harder. J.K. Dobbins. Um, <laughs> there's actually kind of a few of them as I'm sitting here trying to but run they, through my head. They also have still had like big seasons, yeah. and I don't know if I see that out of Toronto Citizen if he goes to Florida, just because Napier has a history of rotating as many as three running backs at a time. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't love that spot. Fine, fine. I'm telling Alfred you said that though, since he doesn't Good. listen to our show. No, he um, doesn't. It's like so obvious. Um, so uh, we can just shit talk him on here all we want. Um, okay, so Trevante Citizen, we're we are split on where we want him to go. Um, how about Andrew Paul? You know, Andrew Paul. For those that don't know. As of like two months ago, it was like the 90th ranked running back in the composite or something. This dude was not ranked highly at all. He's got really nice size. He's about 5'11", 6 feet, 220 pounds. This kid has really nice like athletic attributes. He's got juice. I don't know exactly how fast he is, but I bet he can be a 4'5", 5 to 4'5 guy, which is pretty good to that size. He, he's got all these tools. I sat down to watch him a couple months ago. I, like literally I wrote up the scouting report on him. And then at the end of it, I put, he doesn't have a lot of great offers, which just leads me to believe that I'm just completely missing something here. Like his offers, I think his best offer at the time was Colorado. And then I think a combination of him having like 2,600 yards rushing his senior year. Um, in, domina- Texas. Do- in Texas dominated their state playoffs. Um, and then waiting national signing day like we said he kind of become the bella de ball and now he's this really really hot name i think he's risen up to like 50 in the composite he, he's jumped up quite a few spots there um he's like a top 10 back at campus to canton for us in the class where do you want him to go and where do you think he ends up based on kind of his realistic landing spots which seem to involve again michigan state washington notre dame georgia clemson um, all, all of these schools have offered him over the past uh, month or so. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like Georgia is kind of the most likely destination, which I would not like that. I mean, they have Kendall Milton there already. Um, they have Dewan Edwards, who, like it or not, I think he's going to get some work. They're bringing in Branson Robinson, who's a guy that I like a lot. Um, I actually have him ranked ahead of Paul. I have both of them inside my top 10, uh, but I like Branson Robinson a lot. So I just, I mean, it comes down to the whole, you know, keeping the tread on the tires, keeping them fresh kind of a thing. But I would like to see him go to Washington, to be honest with you. I think that that backfield is 
brutal. Do not think they have anybody there that's very good. Um, I think bringing in Kalen DeBoer is really going to open up that offense and it's going to create more opportunities for Andrew Paul. Um, you know, pass catching is one of the areas of his game that's, I, I'm not going to call it a weak spot, but it's one of the less developed areas of his game at this point. Um, you know, so obviously I think he would need to step up that usage to be uh, truly unlocked in a Kalen DeBoer offense, but I, I'm not saying he can't do it. I just think that that would be the best spot for him personally. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I mean, it's better apparently from what we are hearing, we're not in, you know, we're not, you know, these, these insiders here, guys, we're not, this isn't Chris Hummer and, and uh, Hayes Fawcett, but, but we do definitely have people that we talk to that, that are plugged in some of these things. It sounds like it's coming down to for him between Clemson and Georgia. And if I had to choose, choose between those two it would definitely be georgia because clemson under Dabo, and this is ranged across all the ocs they've had it's not it's not been offensive coordinator specific once they find a bell cow that's their guy they don't really rotate the backs unless somebody's injured so and they have will shipley there like i like andrew paul he's not going to surpass will shipley so i like if i had to choose i think he has a better chance of touching the ball at Georgia. Um, so I guess I, I guess I've kind of come to terms with it. I mean, what are like the, the stages of grief? I think I'm at acceptance. <laughs> I would have preferred him at Washington or Michigan State as well. Those are the two places that I really wanted him to go. Um, I even think Notre Dame could have been fine. They, you know, they have Logan Diggs, who we like. Um, but I don't think Logan Diggs is anything that could that would keep Andrew Paul off the field. They have Chris Tyree, who would just be more the passing down. He's so, definitely better than Estime. Yes. Esteem, however you say it. Um, so worst, I guess, it would have been the third back on the on the the roster. I don't know. I don't know. That one hurt my soul when I heard that he was going to Georgia. And it does look like he's been crystal balled there now as well, uh, according to 24-7. And he is RB42 in the composite. So he is really, really rising up rankings, um, which is awesome uh, to hear. So, okay. So we, we would have preferred him somewhere else, but it sounds like Georgia... Uh, for Mr. Paul. Next up on the list here is Jordan James, uh, running back, uh, was committed to Georgia, did not sign on early signing day. Um, and then it kind of just came out that, that you know, he, he was looking elsewhere. They weren't even sure if he would academically qualify. There was a lot of talk going around. Uh, he's silently been shopping around a little bit. Notre Dame was pushing for him because they really wanted to add another back this cycle. Uh, but it sounds like he's going to Oregon. That's the rumor right now. Jordan James, uh, top 15 back in the composite, I believe. Um, Oregon has suffered quite a bit of attrition in that backfield this offseason. Travis Dye left. He's at USC. Um, uh, what's his Verdell. name? Verdell uh, is gone. Um, it's really just Cardwell and Dollars there. there there's really a uh, seven McGee, but he's not like, a real running back like he's, kind of a hybrid, he's a hybrid guy like i'm not he's a hybrid guy yeah so he's like five seven so i actually think jordan james can go in there and make some noise pretty early and i think you can push byron cardwell i think they're very they were comparable you bite your tongue as recruits i know i know the cardwell hide does not want to hear this it's an inconvenient truth for them i'm just saying me and michael nelson yep. at uh 
is it an analytics analytics a n e l l y t i c s yeah on twitter yeah i i never really know how to pronounce it but michael nelson yeah he and i have been really driving the cardwell cardwell train yeah i mean and i think a lot of people were excited for him but jordan james certainly puts a wrench in that in my opinion he's got size already he's uh, felix has compared him kind of to that that ramondre stevenson um mayan williams type but he's not quite that big but he but he is kind of you know that thick lower half kind of relishes contact slippery guy um he, he's a very good player. I think he's in my top 15 backs. I'm trying to pull that up right now here just to confirm that. He's my bat. He's number 12, RB12 for me in the class. Uh, I have him as my RB. Oh, I skipped a number in there. Um, I got to actually count it. RB20. Okay. He's my RB20. I have 16 listed twice. I don't know how I did that. Man, rookie. Yeah. Rookie, rookie, rookie. So, yeah, I, mean, I think that's an exciting one. We'll see what that offense looks like in terms of run pass distribution. Uh, more heads not there anymore. Um, yeah. Certainly. That hurts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But I mean, I, I think it's certainly something to monitor. Um, last kid here on the list is not a running back for once. Um, DJ Allen, wide receiver. Um, was originally kind of supposed to go to TCU coaching situation. They're obviously changed. No more Gary Patterson. Uh, they bring in Sonny Dykes. Uh, DJ Allen reopens his commitment and it's still a pretty wide open race. It sounds like maybe Florida is the most likely destination. Um, what do you, where do you hope DJ Allen ends up calling again? And I, and I promise I'm not just trying to like crap on Florida, but I would kind of hate that. I don't think Billy Napier traditionally uses his wide receivers that effectively. You know, you don't really see them put up a ton of stats. Um, Kyron Lacey was fine at UL, but I don't really think I wouldn't really want to see him go there. Plus, you know, they have Anthony Richardson or Jack Miller or Emory Jones is still somewhere. He's lost in the portal. I'm not really sure what he's doing right now. He's never making it back. He got lost in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if it's Anthony Richardson, like passing the ball is one of the big question marks that we have about Anthony Richardson. Um, so obviously that's not doesn't really bode well for a wide receiver. I would like to see him go to TCU, actually. I would like to see him go back there. I mean, I think that they have a lot of opportunity in a Sonny Dykes offense. Um, they are bringing in um, Jordan Hudson, but I like DJ Allen significantly better than Hudson. I, I think TCU would be a really good landing spot for him. So the crystal balls do still have him tilted toward TCU. It sounds like all of them do, but none of them are are particularly confident. In it. I mean, Steve Wilfong is, um, he's, he's a big name. He's the director of recruiting at 24 seven sports. If you guys aren't familiar with him. Um, and he, he has a seven out of 10 confidence, which is, you know, they label it as high. That didn't, feel that high to me and then everybody else is a, a six and a three so i mean it's not it's not like pete that you know it's it's a lock for him to go to well, tcu on three has him at 92 percent predicted to tcu oh okay so there we go he was just supposed to visit florida maybe that that visit didn't go well yeah um 1.5 percent for florida 1.5 percent arkansas i do agree that you know i i 
we don't know if Florida's offense is going to pass that much. And I think we know uh, with a decent degree of certainty that TCU will under Sonny Dykes. And, you know, I don't really throw around lofty comps that often. I think if you guys have have listened to the show, you know that. I sat down to watch DJ Allen and I was like, holy crap, this kid reminds me of Antonio Brown. Like very similar size, 5'11", 190. This dude, like there are different kinds of body control. People want to talk about it the most often when a guy's in the air. You know, he has really nice body control to kind of contort and make a catch in the air. But their body control can also be just this guy plays under control all the time. Like every step, every movement, every head, you know, nod, fake, it, it's all just calculated and it's for a purpose. And, and there, you know, there is a plan behind everything they're doing. Antonio Brown is the guy when it comes to that. And DJ Allen just has that same kind of movement to him. There is not a wasted step in there already at 18 years old. I think this kid can be really good. He's my wide receiver five or six in the class. It's, it's a really tight group there at the top, but I, I, I really, really like this kid. I think if he goes to TCU, he can be their wide receiver one within a year. Like after Quentin Johnston presumably leaves after this year, I think he is the leading candidate to be their number one guy. And I think that's a really good spot to be in there in Sonny Dyke's offense. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I have DJ Allen as um, a top three wide receiver for me. I can't remember if it's two or three, but he's in my tier one of wide receivers. Like, I like him a lot. And like you said, you know, Quentin, jo- Quentin Johnston leaves. That opens up a lot of opportunity. But I think he's the type of talent that could even earn some opportunity right away as a freshman. Yeah, 100%. So um, fingers crossed that he ends up there. Um, th- that is our preferred landing spot. All right. So we, we, as I mentioned before, you know, six weeks ago, we had a show already on a lot of this signing day stuff. Um, since then, we have done a lot of work in the freshman field to get some things ready here at C2C. Um, announcement for forthcoming. Um, and so we, like, that's all I've been doing the past six weeks (laughs) like i literally opened presents with my family and then said peace out um no i didn't actually do that um but i mean this has been what we've kind of been eating sleeping and breathing over the past six weeks so we've had some shifts in our rankings um so colin i just want to ask you a couple different questions here we'll walk through them together um players that have fallen the most in our rankings since early signing day. And usually, you know, I kind of, you know, we've gotten a second watch on these guys that maybe a landing spot has shifted. Maybe we've gotten some confirmed weigh-ins from an all-star game. Uh, things like that can all impact um, our, what we're thinking about guys. So who is somebody that's fallen the most in your rankings, Colin? Uh, one of the guys that's fallen the most in my rankings is um, quarterback Malik Murphy uh, committed to Texas and I mean, initially on, on watch on the first watch of him, I and mean, one of the things that really just stands out is he's got a lot of really nice tools. I mean, he's a very toolsy prospect. Um, he has an arm like the cannon on a battleship. I mean, it's, it's more than a howitzer. I mean, the ball just jumps out of his hands when throwing it puts plenty of zip on the ball outside the hashes. I think he's got, a uh, good touch on deep balls, although I believe that's something that you and I disagree on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he throws a deep ball fairly well. 
I think he throws off platform really well. Um, you know, maneuvers the pocket well, doesn't really bail unnecessarily. Um, but after watching him again, he doesn't really have his the mobile the level of mobility that I kind of thought he did like on the first watch. He's kind of a lumbering runner. He's kind of stiff. Uh, and his footwork in the pocket too is just it's atrocious. It is an area that did improve a little bit, but uh, I mean it's it's not good. He throws from a wide base. His mechanics are off. It leads to the poor ball placement. His accuracy is not great. You can just really tell that he doesn't have the same experience at QB that a lot of these other uh, top signal callers have. And then also, you know, not that I think he would have played right away anyway. I mean, I think it would have actually hurt him significantly to play right away. I just, I don't think he's ready. I think he needs a full year, probably two to develop. But, you know, Quinn Ewers going there, that kind of puts a damper on him because Quinn Ewers is there for at least two years. Um, so Malik Murphy is a guy, like I said, a lot of tools, but he needs a lot of refinement. He's fallen here in my most recent update. Yeah, I think there's, there's like you said, that it's um, people make an assumption um, that he's a rusher. He's not really a rushing quarterback. Um, he's not Carson Strong, um, but but he's not Lamar Jackson either, or you know Cam Newton, or even Justin Herbert, or yeah. like I, I, he's not that level of a runner. Um, and I think like I am very anti quarterback sit. I think he needs to sit for a while. Like he's just not ready. He hasn't played very much football. Um, do you think he transfers, Colin? Like, do you think he ends up staying there behind yours and is, is content to do that? Um, because they do still have Hudson Card too, right? They do still have Hudson Card. Yes. Um, I think he's probably more likely to stay at Texas because I think he knows he needs a lot of conditioning as well. Um, I think that he knows it he knows he doesn't have the experience and sark is a guy that has had some success with quarterbacks so i think that that's one of the better spots for him to be so yeah i think that's fair um uh, we'll see what ends up happening there so i i I picked a couple names here the first one that i wrote down is caden saunders wide receiver going to penn state i know that probably hurts your delicate sensibilities there colin but um you know, I, I, someone's got to speak the truth here. It's not going to be you. It's going to be me. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I, I think Caden Saunders, I had him as like my wide receiver five-ish the first time I watched him. And then I, I did a complete another watch through. His junior stuff is better than his senior stuff. And there's no injury, according to source, like the, the people that report on this stuff. So that's a red flag. I think some of the things that, that really bother me, though, is that he's the, the size isn't terrible. You know, he's he's like 5'10", 172. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I guess he's probably in that ballpark. That size doesn't kill me, though. I, there, there's guys in that range that I like. Um, the thing about him that's just not great is that he, like, is only playing the slot in high school as a little guy, and that should be concerning. I don't know if I can remember a guy that's been tiny and just played the slot in high school that has gone, gone on to become this really strong target on the outside. He doesn't play physical at all. Um, and, and in fact, I'd say he's probably one of the bigger finesse guys in this whole class. 
Um, and I certainly think those guys can succeed. It's just a little more difficult. Yeah, like you're basically hoping for a Tyler Lockett-ish. And even then, like he's more physical than than Saunders is. He probably won't play at all really this year because I don't think they're going to move Parker Washington outside. I think Parker Washington stays in the slot with Tinsley on one side, Keandre Lambert-Smith on the other. Maybe he plays a little special teams. I, I think the upside is just limited. I think the ceiling, it's a stretch for him to get there compared to where where you know I thought it might it might be at one time. So like I said, I had him as my wide receiver five. He's now my wide receiver 10. And to be honest, actually, I think I'm going to drop him a little more because I've got two guys right behind him. They're going to Clemson, both of them, Antonio Williams and Adam Randall. I think I like both of those guys more than him. So actually, you know what? I'm going to do it right now while we're talking. Caden Oof. Saunders. Live updates. Bu- bye-bye. Antonio Williams, Adam Randall, come on down. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, it, it hurts me to move down a, a Penn State guy, but like you said, he just uh, he's a big question mark on the size, and I just I don't see the versatility there with him either. You know, like you said, it's pretty much strictly a slot guy, and I just I. Yeah, I, I don't see the ceiling with him, to be honest with you. You know, um, like you said, Lockett, probably a, a good ceiling there for him. You know, maybe maybe Elijah Moore as a ceiling. But, you know, there's a lot of speedy, shifty slot guys that just never really end up being anything more than return guys. And I think that's kind of the direction that Saunders is probably headed as well. Yeah, and I mean, even like Elijah Moore is more physical than he is. I mean, I think people just like they're they're this stuff scales. I mean, obviously, and I like Saunders is literally like a one out of 10. And even like Lockett, even if he's only like a four or a five, that's like a lot more than than a one. Um, I just I I don't I don't love his game. I I'm going to talk about another guy here that's coming in the same class to Penn State that it wouldn't shock me if it ends up being the better receiver there over Saunders, even though he's raw as well but raw i think in a, a a way that i like a little bit more yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot of a lot of penn state on here for for better or worse because uh, my next faller here is another receiver going to penn state uh, and that's anthony ivy uh, wide receiver out of Mannheim township pa Mannheim stand up um <laughs> Play, played them a lot in soccer growing up not not a fan that's fair. No, that's definitely fair. I, and I, I have no strong affinity towards Mannheim Township, other than the fact that I live like 15 minutes away from there now, and that's like where my fiance went to high school. There so. are so many little random towns throughout Pennsylvania that I freaking hate, and it is solely due to the fact <laughs> that I probably used to play whatever soccer team was in that area quite a bit growing up. Yeah. Um, no, especially Central PA and the Philly area. I hate them. Hate them all. Hate them all. They're also Eagles fans, so um, that doesn't help either. That's and fair. mostly Penn State. It's not mm. a great. It's not a great combo. <laughs> um, my the reason that Anthony Ivy fell for me mostly is just due to watching other guys. Um, you know, I just well, one uh, on a second watch of him, I I think his his athletic ability, and he was he's very he was very stiff. Um, so I wasn't overly impressed with that on a second watch there as well. Body catches the ball a lot too. And those are just two big red flags for me. So he did fall in my rankings and then other people did jump him significantly as well. Um, 
So it really just kind of came down to him falling into a range where I don't think I'm going to end up with him at all. I mean, he's a four-star wide receiver, you know, so some people will will like him. And he does have some technical nuance to his game. I think he could be, you know, I think he shows a variety of uh, of route run. You know, he uses a lot of different routes. Um, you know, he uses, he uses double moves well in his routes as well. So, you know, there's some nuance to his game. But just athletically, I think he's very limited. Uh, and I don't necessarily see him getting a lot of time there at Penn State either. So I think that's a little bit above his level. Uh, so he's somebody who's fallen into a territory where I don't think I'll end up with him at all. One other thing that I know you tend to pay close attention to, he's not early enrolling at all. Mm -hmm. Correct. So uh, another knock against him there. Um, he just looks like he's running in in mud. Mm -hmm. He really does. Him and like... He's really like Shalik Knotts is like that kid that's going to Maryland. I know we're just tossing out names here that like people might not be that familiar with. Um, Shalik Knotts is a four star mid four star kid going to Maryland. Um, but they both are kind of like that, like maybe bigger slots, but like not that athletic. Like they're slots because they're probably not athletic. Like uh, so, it's, yeah, it's some some concerns with a bunch of those guys that actually kind of fit that mold in this class. And Ivy is definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there too. Like you said, I, and he's not going to early enroll where um, both Saunders and Amari Evans are. So he's already going to be behind, behind the eight ball there. So every single Penn state player fell in my rankings um, on a except for Nick watch. Singleton, except for Nick Singleton. I forgot about Singleton, but Boom. yeah, I mean, Sa Saunders mm. fell. Um, why is Singleton third in my rank? Okay, sorry. He's, he's and the next guy that you'll talk about. Too. Yes. Um, Drew Allerfell. Um, from one to two. It's uh, <laughs> this was not a precipitous fall, people. Um, so I, I I had kind of two running backs I considered for this. Catron Allen fell a little bit for me. He was like my RB five, and now he's my RB nine. So not like a huge slide, but he came in like ten to fifteen pounds lighter than he's supposed to be, and didn't look. Like it increased his athletic ability that much. So I was like, well, why the heck did you lose all that weight if you could just stay at 220 and been this thumper and kind of been the same mover? Um, so I didn't love that. But the, the guy that I chose here is Gavin Sawchuk. And I chose Gavin Sawchuk over him because Sawchuk was actually kind of a guy that was creeping up my rankings a little bit. Uh, I wasn't that high on him. I watched uh, his junior stuff. He's supposed to be this track guy. I didn't think he looked that fast. Like I didn't think his receiving ability was that top notch. He didn't seem like he was overly physical. Like a lot of he's he's not really he doesn't have an ideal running back build in my opinion. Not not that thick lower half. So I was kind of watching this guy and I was like, well, there's really nothing here that's blowing me away. And then uh, solving football, one of the guys we have on our recruiting team um, said he him and uh, we actually have him and, and big wide receiver guy was a new addition that we added this week as well. Um, two guys that I'm really enjoying working with. Oh yeah. Um, he said that he clocked him at like 21.4, 21.6 miles per hour, which is very good. Like the threshold for like acceptable is like 20 miles per hour. And if they hit 21 at running back, they're probably moving. Um, so like he, he was hitting these at he's these movement thresholds. And I was like, okay, like he's at 185. Like if he it gains 15 to 18 pounds, like that gets him close to 205. Like he could be one of those guys that gains a few extra pounds. And then he went and weighed in at 180 a week or two ago somewhere. And that just kind of brought the whole thing down for me because now you're asking this guy, you know, if you get close to close to 210 
and you're at 185, like you don't have to fudge the numbers that much to think that's possible. But 30 pounds feels like a lot. Like that's when you start, when that number appears, you're like, holy crap. I don't think this guy can get to the 210 pounds. He needs to be a three-town NFL back, which is, which is kind of the average there. So he kind of crept up, and now he's he's slammed all the way back down. He dropped the tier for me. Uh, he, he's in a group with a, with Jordan James, who we talked about, Andrew Paul, Jamorian Miller, Dallin Hayden, Katron Allen, and Gavin Sawchuk. I kind of all have them grouped together uh, at the top of my tier three. Um, and I just I, I don't like it. I don't think that he can be a bell cow. Um, and I know that will upset Mr. Matthew Bruning. Um, RIP your mentions. And by mentions, I mean texts. It is what it is. It is what <laughs> it is. Um, so so a guy that fell a little bit for me. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, he, he fell a little bit for me as well. Uh, I like his game. Um, I do. I, do. I, th- I think he's a good running back. Um, but like you said, the size, I think, just really, really limits him. Um, I you know, I think that it's going to be hard for him to earn a significant role early at Oklahoma, given the other options that they have there. Um, you know, I don't see him playing over Eric Gray at all. Um, but the pass catching for a guy that size, you really want to see them be a good pass catching back. And I'm not saying he's not a good pass catching back, but he's not a great pass catching back. Uh, you know, high school, he has nine receptions, 13 receptions, nine receptions. So, you know, and then I, I didn't see his stats from this year. Um, you know, I'm sure Matt will correct me because he probably had 15 catches this year. But, you know, not an overwhelming pass catcher either. So I just I don't necessarily see where he's going to fit at the next level. But I think he could be very productive, you know, year two at Oklahoma. After and, Eric Ray goes, and he's not—he's from Colorado. He's not playing at a place that's like this uber high level, um, you know, high school football either. So obviously, there's you know lots of concerns there. Kind of bumped him down a little bit for me. Uh, Colin, players that have risen the most in our ranking since early signing day. Um, I actually have a couple. They were you know higher ranked guys again, and they they bumped up even a little bit higher. Um, but uh, you have an Alabama running back. Uh, I do. Um, so. Initially on my first watch, um, you know, one thing, one of the things that I dinged him for a little bit was uh, his size. He is 195. I typically a lot for 15 pounds. So that gets him to that 210 range, which is good, but it's kind of borderline for like being like a bell cow. Um, and then also, you know, going to Alabama, it's just always such a crowded backfield. You never like, they always bring in top running backs. So he's probably going to get recruited over. He's just going to have a lot of his work to cut out for him to stand out. But with the transfer portal, not really as big of an issue anymore. Uh, but the, the guy, and I don't know if I said it or not, but Jamorian Miller. Um, he's a I, I like seeing how far we can get into you talking before you name the guy. It's a, <laughs> it's a fun game I play. Uh, I, like to, that, so. I like to tease it a little bit. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, Miller, a four-star guy going to Alabama. He's 5'10, 195. So I said, you know, kind of right on that borderline size. Composite RB7. Um, you know, after watching him the second time around, uh, I think I was more impressed with his um shiftiness the second time around. You know, I think he he has a little bit more wiggle than I initially gave him credit for. 
Uh, I think he also has some pretty good power for a guy that size. You know, he there's examples of him lowering his shoulder and running guys over, which is something you like to see. Um, I also think one of the best things he does, I think he gets the top speed quickly. So I think he has good acceleration, good burst there. So, you know, I, I think he has a lot of traits to like. So I wrote, I, I moved him up the board on that. I just, I don't know what his future is going to hold at Alabama. And that just kind of holds true for a lot of the running backs that they bring in as recruits, you know, because they can also go out and get Jameer Gibbs in the transfer portal and bring in one of the best backs in the country whenever they want. So it, that just puts a little bit of a damper on him for me. But as a prospect, I like him, and I did have to move him up. So he reminds me a little bit um, coming out of high school, um, uh, like Tank Bigsby did, actually. Um, some slight weight differences. Bigsby was listed at 5'10", 210 coming out, so he had those 15 pounds on him already. But like athletically, I think they're fairly similar. And I think stylistically, like uh, Bigsby, a little more physical. But I've said this like for two years straight. I think Bigsby is a little overly like relies on that a little too much at times. And uh, I think Miller kind of has the same problem where sometimes he's like, "Should I be physical? Should I juke this guy?" Like he gets in space and sometimes doesn't exactly know what to do to beat that first defender. Um, so there are quite there are going to be some questions for me about like natural feel for the position. I still very much have those questions about Tank Bigsby. Um, and my my discourse on Tank Bigsby has been all over the place because I <laughs> was like lower on him and everyone's just like completely forgotten about him. And now I'm higher on everybody than the consensus on him. So like it, I feel like I haven't moved at all, but the, the line that everybody else is on has kind of shifted a little bit. Um, but I, I think Miller can can be a very similar player. Obviously not going to take over that backfield as a freshman in Alabama. Uh, or if he does, I think we have to take that a little more seriously than we took Tank Bigsby. Uh, Tank Bigsby taking over that job as a freshman. But um, he's definitely an interesting player, and I like him a lot more than Emmanuel Henderson, the other back mm -hmm. that's going in there this year, because he just is built more like a running back, plays more like a running back. Uh, Emmanuel Henderson can be something, but it's not a bell cow running back, I, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what Emmanuel Henderson's role exactly is going to be. I mean, he's extremely dynamic, you know, with the ball in his hands, but he's way more athlete than running back right now. His size is a little odd because he's listed at what like 185 is he six foot 185 no 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 um henderson so he is but i guess he just went is either the, the american bull or he's on campus or something and he supposedly weighed in around 200 pounds okay that would be a lot more interesting so, um i was gonna say the size of him at like six foot 185 was just kind of weird mm -hmm. but yeah i just I, I like Miller significantly more than Henderson. Yeah. Another guy like Henderson. I mean, I know we're just bouncing over the place. Mayo Henderson is the top back in the 24-7 composite right now. He's going to Bama. He's not built like a running back. He's no. tall. He's kind of wiry. Like, he, he's definitely not – he's a really good athlete. Like, I think there's a space for him on the football field. I'm just not sure it's as a, a true bell cow running back. Just very weird stylistically. Uh, not a guy that I'm a fan of, but we're totally off topic. Um, so I think the most surprising riser for me, because I really didn't like his junior stuff at all, was Devin Brown, the quarterback uh, that is now going to Ohio State, uh, was was committed to USC the first time I watched him you know, eight months ago or whatever. Um, and it's so funny. You know, a lot of these guys, I basically put all the notes in one section and i kind of just update a little bit if if something has changed from junior year to senior year if i can find it i wrote an entirely new section 
in, in my write-up on Devin Brown. Like I, and I labeled them, you know, this is what I thought of him as a junior. And this is what I thought of this kid as a senior. Cause it doesn't even look like it's the same freaking player. Like I, like if I'm looking at my notes from his junior year, average arm, like functions well in a three-step drop, but I wouldn't ask him to do anything else. Average athletes can maneuver a little bit in the pocket, like just meh. And then this kid goes out there as a senior and throws like 57 touchdown passes, like just freaking crushes at a corner Canyon, which is this apparently the quarterback hotbed of the country. Now with Zach Wilson and Jackson dart being their last two guys. He has a really nice arm. He has the best throw in the entire class from what I've watched is Devin Browns. He throws this, this freaking laser a linebacker basically he drops it's like a three to five step drop he's sitting there for a second a linebacker comes rushing up the middle hits him below the waist low right at the knees so he can't step into this throw at all and Devin Brown just throws this 30 yard deep out and puts it freaking on the dot like just stupid stupid throw stupid arm strength I'm sad I it's like the second <laughs> throw on his stuff I was like okay I don't need to watch anymore like this kid's bumping way up now because uh, that's the kind of throw you got to be able to make in college. Like, you know, you can't step into everything. It's not all perfect for you. Uh, he does that very well. He's got the best, in my opinion, pocket presence in the entire class. Feels pressure very well, maneuvers the pocket very well. He's really, you know, he can set his feet really quick, get those shoulders squared, get rid of the ball under pressure. I, I just really like this kid. He's like, on top of all those things, he's just kind of a gamer, like Joe Burrow-ish, but I think he's got a better arm. He's going to Ohio State. Yeah, he's going to sit a year. I think that's assumed anytime a kid goes to Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama. Like, you just you bake that into the evaluation. I would be shocked if Kyle McCord's still there. And even if he is, like, Devin Brown's better. Devin Brown's better. Um, this this kid is, is good. He's my number one quarterback in the class now. I can't stop raving about him. And I feel like... Like he's going in the first round of startup, so he's going to be expensive this year. But like we have a couple of auctions, he's the guy. I think if I'm spending some money on a guy this year, I think I'm spending it on him. Yeah, I mean he's he definitely rose up my rankings there as well. Uh, I have him as my QB two now. He did jump Gunner Stockton uh, QB going to Georgia for me. Uh, I like Gunner Stockton a lot, but like you said, there's just kind of. There's, there's not really anything that I don't like about Devin Brown, honestly. He checks a lot of boxes. And honestly, I think it's a good thing that he's going to go sit for a year at uh, at Ohio State. You know, he's, he's going to sit behind C.J. Stroud for sure this year. C.J. Stroud looking like the number two quarterback in the 2023 class, uh, you know, behind Bryce Young. I think C.J. Stroud probably going to go very early in the draft, so I would be shocked if he stuck around for another year, they have McCord there. Like you said, and honestly, I feel like McCord should have transferred, you know, months ago. You know, I think the writing was kind of on the wall for him. You know, maybe he thinks he can take the job from CJ Stroud or he'll get it next year. I don't know, but uh, I, I like McCord. I just think that his future should lie elsewhere. And like you said, I, I like Devin Brown more than what I liked McCord. So yeah, he was a riser for me too. Brown rose in my ranking similar to how CJ Stroud did as a senior. I was not very impressed with CJ Stroud as a, a junior, and then he crushed his senior year. Um, I was only in once or I was in two C2C leagues at the time, like that had freshman drafts, and I got 
C to try them both of them uh, has worked out very well for me. Um, <laughs> and I, I think Devin Brown's just a natural progression there. I, I really, really, really like him. Um, he's not the only quarterback that rose for me. He's not the only quarterback that rose for you. Um, a certain Clemson quarterback, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, shocker, the uh, composite number one quarterback after you remove yours. Uh, Cade Klubnik. He rose in my rankings. Uh, honestly, I wasn't really that high on him the first time around. I mean, you, you've mentioned it before, but he's definitely a guy that you can tell has had significant quarterback coaching throughout his career. You know, he has been coached up. He's very refined. His footwork, his mechanics are excellent. He's very good in structure. He's good with rhythm and timing. Uh, you know, I, I just, my, one of my bigger question marks was what can he do outside of structure? You know, can he throw well on the move? You know, how does that affect his arm strength? Because his arm strength was not something that I liked uh, originally. I thought that he had a fairly weak arm. I thought he lacked some zip, especially when he was trying to throw outside. Um, but in the All-American Bowl, he was very clearly the best QB in the game. Uh, I think that that definitely, you know, showed us that he can maneuver the pocket well, you know, feel the rush, slide around, um, throw from different arm angles, deliver the ball off platform. I think that was really good to see. I still have question marks about his arm strength because in that game, there were times where the ball just kind of seemed to hang and it let the defender get over there and make a play. But arm strength now is where I have the biggest question for him. I think he's going to end up on like the Dylan Gabriel spectrum for me, like right in that area uh, in terms of arm strength. And I think that that is fine. Uh, I'll be interested to see if he can put more, you know, if he can get stronger of an arm because he is pretty thin. Um, is 186. He's a pretty thin lower half too. So I think maybe if he bulks up his lower half, you know, I think that could help him get some additional arm strength and help him, you know, increase the the torque, um, then velocity that he can put on the ball there. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he rose for me. I, I just he answered to the question of of being able to perform outside of structure. I think that's an absolute must have now for quarterbacks. So. Um, operates inside and outside structure, and there's just not that many of them in the class that can do that that well. So he has he has risen up for me. Are you saying that he has a tiny tushy by saying that he's got a small lower half? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he's a little light in the ass. <laughs> that, that caboose just... Mm -mm. I feel like... Ah, who was it? I feel like there's like a prominent uh, NFL draft analyst that would always say that about... More typically about like offensive linemen who are too light. We call him light in the ass. I can't remember who it was. You got me there. Let's <laughs> be watching a different channel. <laughs> it kind of sounds like something John Gruden would say, for being honest. Um, Maybe it was him back when he was <laughs> analyzing uh, draft shocks. prospects. Uh, so my last guy that I think that rose a little bit is Luther Burden. And again, he's the number one wide receiver in the composite. I never hated him. He was like a top 10 guy for me, top eight-ish. Um, he's he's definitely the most savvy kid in the class. So I think that's how he kind of got to his ranking. But he, he's playing in East St. Louis. It's not a terrible area for high school football, but it's not you know Texas either. 
if you watch this kid and he's just uber savvy on this like crappy patchy grass field and you're like okay like how how good of an athlete is this kid really it's hard to say and then he gets to the uh the is i think it was the under all under armor uh bowl, uh all-american game and he on like the second play of the game or something um just caught this this short pass beat the first defender went 65 yards for a touchdown and i was like okay um I, I no longer have the athleticism concerns or questions that i once did uh you pair that savviness kind of that old man at the y game with that athletic ability he's very very versatile he reminds me he's like six foot 200 ish i think is where he's listed he reminds me a lot of like a Chris Godwin-ish kind of guy or a JSN who falls in that same bucket that I really like coming out of high school who they 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 can play bigger slot. I I certainly think he can play out in the boundary and be very, very good there. Uh, I think he can play any, any of the three wide receiver positions at a high level. Um, aggressive when the ball is in the air, that's like the most important trait for me in a wide receiver besides like being able to catch a ball. Um, so I, I really like this kid going to Mizzou I think he plays year one. I'm not going to say like leads the team in receiving, although I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, I I think he's a really good player, and I um, I, I mean I, again the composite wide receiver one. I don't think I'm I'm saying anything outlandish here, um, but you know the the being that I wanted the composite doesn't always mean something. I mean there there are just players that are not good that are you know RB one wide receiver one QB one at times, and I don't think he's one of them. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. He he rose in my rankings as well. And and like you said, the biggest thing was level of competition. And seeing him do it at the uh, All-American Bowl, hearing him dominate those practices was very good to hear. So uh, that earned him a jump up my rankings into my tier one. And he is now my wide receiver one as well. Uh, I believe he was my wide receiver four before that. So... You know, he climbed a couple spots, but like you said, we're not saying anything outlandish here by putting the wide receiver one in the composite as our wide receiver one. But I do think it was noticeable that he answered my biggest concern here. And just, um, you know, I think a lot of people might say, well, Isaiah Bond, uh, the number two athlete in the country, a kid that recently signed with Bama has been just rising up boards. How come neither of you said Isaiah Bond? The real ones already had Isaiah Bond as a top, a top five or six guy. Um, he's been the top ten wide receiver for me for months. So uh, there wasn't much, there wasn't much rising to be done uh, there for Mister Bond, who is uh, certainly one of the top receivers in the class. Um, so just two more categories here, Colin, and we each chose one player for one of them. First one is our favorite sleeper. Um, now that we kind of know landing spots for a lot of these guys, and it's self-explanatory. It's just your favorite lower rated guy that you think is being slept on a little bit. Uh, my, one of my favorite guys here is uh, Arlen Harris jr. Uh, running back also from Missouri, uh, but he's going to Stanford He's a four-star guy. RB 27 in the composite um, Stanford, but uh, he had an offer from Florida, but that was a while ago before the coaching staff turnover. Stanford was, um, probably his best offer overall. And that first, that running back room is completely vacant now. Austin Jones, gone. Um, Nathaniel Pete, also gone in the portal. I think Arlen Harris could be looking at some playing time right away, potentially, because I honestly don't even know who else he's competing with in that backfield right now, because with Jones and Pete both being gone. But 
beyond just his early opportunity, I like Arlen Harris a lot. I mean, he is, he's a little light. He's 5'11", 189. So he's going to have to add some, some weight on him. And he's already not the best athlete. Um, so I don't necessarily know how much more weight he'll be able to put on and maintain that athleticism. It'll be interesting to see that. And he's fine as an athlete. I think he's pretty smooth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a smooth guy. Yeah, he's, he's smooth, but he's not sudden. He's not like all that explosive. He doesn't have great top end speed. Um, but I think one of the things he does really well is he's a, you can tell he's a very smart kid. Obviously he's going to Stanford, but he's very patient. He has very good vision. Two of the things that I like to see in a running back. Um, and then another thing for a guy, his size, he's a tough runner. He has a mean stiff arm. Like he puts some guys in the ground with that stiff arm. So while he's a little bit smaller, I'm not that concerned about him um, with his with his power and his contact balance. I think he'll be fine. It does obviously need to add some weight, but like I said he's got a lot of the traits that I look for. Uh, he's going to have an opportunity to play right away at Stanford. Biggest question mark is the athleticism. Uh, you know, and if he'll be able to keep that on with some more weight, but you know, I don't necessarily think he needs that to be at least productive for CFF purposes. No, I think that's a, he's an opportunity guy, hundred percent. Um, I think in college, you know, that, you know, we say when the guys go to the NFL, don't, don't take a guy because of opportunity, but in college, it's quite a bit different since a lot of times we're drafting offenses and, and schemes, uh, more than sometimes players themselves. So, um, definitely a good spot for him to go. A guy, he's he's actually fallen a little bit in my rankings um, as I watch more running backs, but not a bad player by any means. Um, I chose Amari Evans, a wide receiver at uh, Penn State. There, um, for, he's he's from down in Texas, from a smaller school down there. Um, he's six foot one seventy, uh, tall, kind of lean guy. Wide receiver ninety four in the composite. Uh, twenty four Sports has him as wide receiver fifty eight, and we talk about that all the time about how twenty four seven sports on their own tends tends to be a little bit better than the other services. So that that's intriguing for him. Um, he's rated pretty lowly because he's not really playing that much wide receiver. He played uh, mostly wildcat quarterback actually. Um, Cause he's just kind of the best athlete on the field, but I think he's a very strong athlete, a very explosive athlete. Um, and he, he just kind of has an amazing feel with the ball in his hands. He's kind of like he's in the matrix. Everything's slow motion a little bit for him. I I like him a lot. I don't know if he can develop a little bit as a wide receiver. I think his ceiling is really, really high. Penn state, uh, you know, has developed wide receivers at a pretty decent clip. So I think that's a good spot for him. So, you know, the eval is probably incomplete if I had to be honest, but, but I really like this kid. I think he's an early enrollee. Um, if, if he can kind of wait it out this first year, I don't think he'll play very much. Uh, I, I definitely think that, that year two is an option for this kid. Yeah, uh, I think that out of all of the wide receivers that are going there, uh, I think he has the highest upside for sure. He's definitely the rawest one um, out of the ones going to Penn State, but I think he has the highest upside like we touched about on with Saunders and Ivy. They're kind of followers for us. You know, not, not huge fans of them. Um, you know, they, and Penn state does have some, some solid receivers there. 
Parker Washington's a guy that I like a lot. Mitchell Tinsley, a guy they brought in from Western Kentucky. I like him a lot. I think he can, he'll probably start out as a number three, but I think probably by early to mid season at the latest, I think he earns that number two role ahead of Keandre Lambert Smith, who's probably better suited to be a three, uh, a wide receiver three anyway. Um, Harrison Wallace, the guy they brought in last year is a guy that I like, but after that, there's definitely some opportunity. And I think Amari Evans is electric. And I think if he can put some refinement on that game, I think he could definitely be uh, a really good value because you don't hear too many people talking about him. Yeah. These are the kind of guys that kind of fall through the cracks a little bit, a small school, Texas kid that didn't really play that much wide receiver, but he's got the the profile of one. So uh, obviously a, a high risk of him becoming nothing as a kid. Maybe you take really late in a freshman draft, um, but but definitely a, an intriguing guy if, if you're willing to wait with him there on your bench for a year. Um, last category here, Colin, the player that is most overrated. And first, we're not trying to sit here and crap on any kids. We hope all these kids succeed. Right. That's the message of the show here. We we hope all of these kids succeed. Yeah, but, it's but I mean, really yeah. possible. But we do want them all to do well. You know, we're not. I don't have any ill will towards any of these kids, except for the kid from Manheim Township. Um, <laughs> so, so this is just a player that we're lower on the consensus, and I think we chose you. Actually, both like you chose Javante Barnes, who's going ridiculously high in our ADP, and I can't figure out why. Um, they're kind of more public perception than than twenty four seven ranking per se, but that definitely happens. I mean, there's almost two different subsets of rankings as as these things move forward. It's the, the services and the people. Yeah, well, I mean, even in twenty four seven, well, twenty four seven, he's the RB sixteen, but by the composite, he's the RB ten. You know, pretty fairly high four star guy. Um, you know, he had offers from Oklahoma, Alabama, USC, Florida State. He had offers from. All, all of these places, you know, 35 offers, all the big boys. And I don't know. I just, I don't really see it with him, to be honest with you. I mean, he's, he's six foot 190. So his size is fine. But I mean, he's, and he does have good, he has good power um, for a guy that size. I mean, he's, you know, he, he drags defenders who run guys over, lower the tap, lower the shoulder. Um, but his vision is just not good and his patience. He frequently runs into the back of his linemen. He's always in a hurry to get upfield. He just wants to get the ball and go. And he needs to just slow down at times. But uh, on top of that, too, I don't think he's really the most – he's not really the most fluid. Uh, he's not very shifty. Uh, he's got okay straight line speed. Um, but I, I think he lacks some agility there as well. So lack of agility, lack of patience and vision, you know, I just, I don't necessarily, I don't really see it with him. Um, I think the, the Oklahoma name, uh, and the RB 10 is, is what's carrying him a lot. And I, I'm not a huge fan. I will not be ending up with him in too many places. So, yeah, I mean, I, He's the second best back in the class going to a school that is going to recruit over him within a year. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm not that that high on him. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he ever plays any meaningful snaps there. Agreed. 
Um, I chose Samuel Mbake. This is going to get some hate from some people, I think, because um, he's definitely been he, he's been lifted up by some prominent names that are that are bright people in this community. Um, but I just watched this kid, and there's there's nothing exciting about him at all. I mean, not not to. I know I said we weren't going to crap on a kid, so but like he. So I guess I should give some backstory to this kid too. So Samuel Mbake uh, is fairly low low rated in the composite. Um, he is a four star though. He went to high school with Denial on Morissette, another top wide receiver in this class uh, who was going to Georgia. Mbake is going to Arkansas. He was listed at like six two two ten or two fifteen, and this dude just it was bad weight he played so slowly he was a bully like just beating the crap out of defenders um honestly very incredible play style uh, but not sustainable and they would i wouldn't have bet any money on him to be any sort of serious college wide receiver and make the nfl so he went this year and lost like 15 pounds 20 pounds he's supposedly down to like 190 ish uh went to the all-american bowl and, and apparently looked decent um but he's still like I went I went and watched his senior stuff now that he's lost weight and he still just like doesn't have the top notch athletic ability to be able to win deep consistently. And if you don't even have that at all in your bag, teams aren't really going to respect you that much. Like I think he's going to have a really hard time separating early in his college career. I think he's going to have a really hard time um, just <laughs> playing wide receiver. I don't think he's very good at it. Um, and I don't think like the tools are even there, like an Amari Evans uh, to to kind of develop in anything more. So he's a guy that, you know, some really smart people out there have him top 10 in the class. He's like my wide receiver 45 or something. He's I mean, at that range, he's basically do not draft for me. Um, I just I, I, I I'm really not a fan. Yeah, I'm not I don't really see it with him either. Uh, I think he's just kind of a big contested catch guy. I think that that's probably where he, he that's really where he, he shines. He makes his hay is he's, you know, he's good in jump ball situations. Like you said, he's a bully. Um, but I don't know. I don't think he gets away with that in the SEC. And I don't think he has the athleticism that he needs to to offer much upside there. Um, you know, obviously, Traylon Burks is gone. So people are kind of looking for the next guy to step up there. But I don't think it's going to be Mbake. Um, yeah. That's all I've got, really. I mean, I don't know who's going to lead that Arkansas wide receiver room this year, um, but I, I do not have confidence it's him. So that's the end of tonight's show, guys. Thank you so much again uh, for joining in. Again, make sure to check out everything that we have to offer. Uh, Campus2Canton.com, $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. Um, all sort, We've got all sorts of rankings. We're building out the ADP like crazy right now. We're about to add... CFF ADP and all of those kinds of things uh, to what we've got going on. We're going to have CFF rankings, um, all of that uh, good stuff. The YouTube channel, uh, the podcast group here, Chasing the Natty, uh, Campus Canton Pod, Why Wait Till Sunday, Debbie Debate, Fantasy Football Roundtable. Uh, we've got the Daily Draft Report that Dwight nice. is doing that comes out every day. That is see on if you forget feet. this one. No, no, I you, you <laughs> get me once. You can get me once. Uh, get me can't be fooled again. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so all of that good stuff, though, guys. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for Canton Bound, the NFL half of our podcast here at Campus. We'll be back. Uh, we are finally done 
uh, being put to work, all the extra work we've been doing over the past couple of weeks. Uh, until next time, guys, though, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Enjoy your week, guys.